Today's scripture comes from John chapter 15, 1 through 8. Please follow along on the bulletin or in your Bible. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean. Because of the word I have spoken to you, remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, You are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Amen. Good morning, New Mercy. Oh my gosh, I haven't been, I haven't done this in a long time. I haven't been in the adult worship because for those of you who guys don't know me, uh, who don't know me, I'm the children's pastor here. And so I always worship with the children. You never see me because after service, I'm always running around trying to pack up and stuff. So welcome to our church. I'm so glad you guys are here. Um, But before we get into the word, let's just bow our heads in prayer just one more time. Um. Holy Spirit, we just thank you so much for being here. Lord, we thank you that we can worship with our brothers and sisters so freely and really just experience your love every single day. Father, as um, we listen to your word, would you open up our hearts, open up our ears, open up our eyes to see you, to hear you, and to feel you. Lord, may the Holy Spirit truly convict us. Yeah, bless us. In this time, in Jesus' name I pray, amen. So how many of you guys have a smartphone? Maybe this is a better question. How many of you guys don't have a smartphone? Nobody. Everybody's got a smartphone. And it's become such an essential thing in our lives. Like, I can't go anywhere without my phone because my GPS is there. My email is there. I have to call somebody, then I got to, you know, get my smartphone. (laughs) I have to text. And all my social life stuff, Instagram, whatever else, Facebook, it's all just in that thing. And there's no way to detach from it. And so I have an iPhone, so I don't know what it's like on the Android, but on the iPhone, they actually count how many hours you spend on your phone. And at first, I thought it was a little bit creepy, like people are just monitoring everything I'm doing now. But on the other hand, I thought it was a great idea for me to just kind of track how much time I spend on my phone. And so when I first got my phone and I saw this new upgrade, I was like, yo, I'm going to try and not use my phone so I don't embarrass myself. So I'll put it away in my room or I'll just like leave it somewhere and just pretend like I'm not thinking about it, even though in the back of my mind, I'm still thinking about like wanting to go on Instagram and scroll, scroll or something like that. And so that only really lasted like maybe two days. And so I went back to just using my phone the way I do. 
And at one point, I was like, okay, let me check. Because I kind of avoided it for a little bit. Because I didn't want to, like, I don't know, be disappointed at myself about how much time I use on my phone. So I looked at it, and I'm about to be really vulnerable right now. I was spending, like, maybe, like, five-plus hours at one point on my phone. I know. I don't have a life or something. I don't know. I'm just like glued to my phone. And, you know, it's like I put on YouTube when I'm, you know, getting ready or I'll like stream music while I'm driving. So there's a lot of like non-active participating in my use, if you know what I'm saying. But like it still doesn't make it okay. You know, I know Jesus loves me anyway. However, it's still not okay. So I was like thinking... And I just thought about, like, how I feel without my phone. And when I don't have my phone, I start feeling, like, really anxious. And I wasn't like this before. I don't know when it changed. But I just start feeling really anxious. And it's almost like my body, like, physically needs to have a phone in my hand for me to feel stable, for me to feel, I know you guys are laughing because you know what I'm talking about, like, Because it's real, like that, like dependency on my phone, it was so real. And so, and it was only because that device, it's become such a big part of my life. And it's only because I was spending so much time on it. But, you know, how many of us, if we're really honest, can say that Jesus has become that essential in our lives? That if we stay away from God too long, we start responding physically because we need him. Oftentimes, like if, if you've been Christian long enough, you'll see symptoms when you start being away from God, right? Like sin creeps up into your life. You become anxious, depression, fear, or insecurity. And we attach ourselves to something. But almost all the time, our for, first choice is not God. It's something else because we need that instant gratification, that instant filling of the void that we have, that we're feeling. Or sometimes maybe you're so far away that God seems unreachable. And so when we attach ourselves to those things, does it really ever bring the peace and the security that you're looking for? In my life, I really have to say that's a hard no. I don't think I've ever felt any sense of peace or security when I wasn't attached to God. And it's because we weren't created to attach ourselves to anything else. When God created us, he created us to be in perfect union with him, nothing else. And so in today's text, Jesus is commanding us to remain in him as he is in the Father, because apart from him, we cannot do anything. And so we have to stay in vital connection with the Lord to live in the fullness of his design for us. So we find Jesus today with his disciples, and this, is, this takes place after the Last Supper where, you know, he washes his feet and stuff like that. And at this point, Jesus knows that his time is coming to an end with his disciples. So in John 15, 1, Jesus is establishing his role and God's role in their relationship. And so he says, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. God is the gardener who takes care of the garden and all the things in it, including the vine and the branches. He trims off the branches that are fruitless and prunes the ones who bear fruit so that it can bear even more fruit. Jesus says he is the vine who needs the hand of the gardener. 
By using this metaphor, Jesus is reinforcing his dependence on God as he talked about in John 14, which is the chapter before, um, John 14, 10, as he says, don't you believe that I am in the Father, that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Jesus did not do anything apart from God. As the vine is dependent on the gardener for its livelihood, Jesus was dependent on the Father to fulfill his call. Then Jesus continues to say, um, sorry, continues to say in verse, verse 5, I'm the vine and you are the branches, describing us as the branches. He says, if you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Jesus is painting a picture of necessity in these verses because no branch can bear fruit all by itself. The vine is the source of life for the branch, so if it were to take if it were to break off from the branch, it would lose its purpose of having fruit, of producing fruit. So what Jesus is saying through this scripture, what he's saying is remain in me. Remain in me, remain in me. And it's so evident as he repeats it over and over and over again, just in our eight verses. And so I don't know about you guys, but I'm more like a Martha and not so much a Mary. I like to do more than just to like not do, right? And so I think it might be because I'm a firstborn, or maybe I just kind of learned it because my parents were workaholics or something. So ever since I read this passage, I always thought, oh, I should produce fruit. And any time a pastor preached on this um, text, all I could think about was, what kind of fruit are you bearing, Pobe? What are you doing right now, right? But two years ago, um, I'm still in seminary, by the way. So like two years ago, when I heard my professor in seminary say, Jesus doesn't command us to bear fruit. The command is to abide in him. And it, like, totally changed my life. And it sounds so simple, right? It's, like, written plainly on this, in the scripture. But I just every single time missed it because I was so focused on just doing. And when he said that, I realized how much I made it about me and myself and nothing about what I was doing was ever about God. And I made it all about me, my behavior, and it was as if I thought that, my behavior was somehow going to control if God was going to be glorified or not. But we don't have that kind of power, right? We don't have control over those things, just as the branch doesn't have any control over bearing fruit. So, like, can you imagine an apple tree branch telling the apple tree, yo, tree, I want to get some fruit, so give me something so I can have some fruit? No, no. Because a branch doesn't have that kind of authority. It does, that's not its job. What happens naturally is that the vine will provide the necessary nutrients for the branch to bear fruit, good fruit, right? And so Jesus isn't telling us to do anything. He's telling us to be in him so that, we can, so that he can do things through us as the Father did through him. So he's saying, be mine, remain in me, because my father and I will do the rest. And so how can we remain in Jesus, right? And first, I think this is 
probably the most important thing is that we need to hold on to the word spoken to us by the true vine, which is the truth of the gospel. And it's this. Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. There is, I wish I could say there was like another way about it, how we can access our Father, but there's really no way about it. When we believe that God sent his one and only son to die for us, for our sins, for our shortcomings, so that we can have forever with him, and that the veil was torn once and for all of eternity through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, we'll be able to understand the depths of his desire for us. It's kind of amazing because we really do have a good, good father who longs to have a relationship with us. And all he wants is for us to be in him. So have you ever, like, thought about why Jesus references so many, like, different relationships with us? Meaning, like, God is our father and we are his children. Jesus is the bridegroom and the church is the bride. He is the shepherd and we are the sheep. He calls us friends and co-heirs with Christ. I mean, it goes on and on and on, right? And I think there's really something important to be said about the fact that he just lists all these relationships. And it's that God wants to be our everything. He wants all of us so that through the, so through the Bible, he lays out all the possible relationships a person can have to recognize his heart for us. But out of all those relationships, the most important thing that God wants to be is our father. And he wants full access to your heart so he can establish a home where he can dwell, that his power may be displayed in and through us, just like he did with Jesus. But I think a lot of us, or maybe some of us, know all this stuff, right? Because this gets preached so often, right? Like, we know all this stuff, but I don't think it's easy to practice it because a lot of times I think it's because we don't want to give up control. It's like, we think if God, if we give God control over our lives, if I fully surrender my life to God, he's going to do, make me do things that I don't want to do. Maybe it's true. I think it's true sometimes. <laughs> but what I can tell you is that when Jesus invites us into union with him, we have access to all that Jesus had learned from God. So we're not left out in the dark. So John 5, 19 through 20 says, Jesus gave them this answer. Very truly, I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his father doing. Because whatever the father does, the son also does. For the father loves the son and shows him all he does. Yes, and I will show him even greater works than these so that you will be amazed. And so if we read a little further from our text today, in verse 14, it says, You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for, for everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. And I think one of the most fascinating attributes of, God, of Jesus is that he's fully human and fully God. I try to, like, teach this to our kids, but they don't really get it. 
Because even like for us, right, it's kind of hard to grasp that concept, right? So how can I expect like a two-year-old to get that? But I think we often forget that while Jesus was on earth, he probably had to learn things, learn to do things the way we do, right? And he probably also had to learn how to stay faithful to God, right? Because he wasn't immune to temptation. Um, But what Jesus teaches us is that he does all that the Father does. And this indicates that Jesus doesn't pick and choose which part he's going to follow and which part he's not going to follow. Jesus gave all of himself to what the Father had for him because Jesus was so dependent on God. And so if it was that important for the Savior of the world, who is fully God, to depend on God, and that this union with the Father was so important to him, how much more should we who are in need of a Savior cling on to God? How can we withhold anything from the one who gave us everything? I think we must fully surrender our will, admitting and accepting the fact that without God, we can do nothing. However, we cannot surrender unless we are in an intimate connection with the vine. And we can have this through prayer, worship, meditating on, the, on God's word, all the things that we know, right? But it's spending that time with the Lord that will foster an int- intimate relationship. In any relationship, it couldn't be, like, made in a moment when you have, like, that point of connection. But no intimacy can be formed without intentionally investing into it. And it takes a lot of time. So before um, we began the, the sermon series, Pastor Key and I reread a book called Clay and the Potter's Hands. And the author goes through the process of making a piece of pottery and they compare it to the way God shapes and molds us. And, you know, if you guys were there for Dr. Ferris's presentation a couple of weeks ago, that's pretty much what the book was about. And there's this step called committing, I think, which Pastor Key touched on last week, where potter, the potter takes the clay, smacks it on the wheel so that it can get attached and begin the pr- process of creation. And that step next is followed by what is called centering. And so when the after the potter smacks the clay onto the wheel, the potter applies water to the clay while spinning the wheel. And this is actually a very important but really tedious step because if you don't center the clay right, it'll it'll just fling off. Have you ever seen the videos where like somebody's working on clay and it just like goes And that's because it hasn't been centered, right? And this process is super long, and it takes a lot of patience. But it's so important if the potter wants the clay to look like what they envision it to be. If it's not properly centered, the clay will create a disaster later when it goes in the fire to be made, you know, hard. And so... I think this is kind of similar to our faith journey. If we're not centered on God, and if we are not aligned to the true vine, we can easily go running in all different directions that pulls us, that life pulls us towards. We may not immediately feel the effects of straying away from God or being attached to the wrong thing, but in the long run, when we're at the brink of crisis or when we fall far away from God, 
will wonder what happened and how we got to this place and go as far as to sometimes question our salvation. I'm totally guilty of it. I'm always like, was I really saved? Like, how did I get this far? Why, did, why am I even here? Where did we even, like, how did I even end up here? <laughs> yeah. And, but you know what? Every time I've hit that place, I always remind myself, there's a God in heaven who committed himself to me through his son and has given me the Holy Spirit to guide me back to him so I'm not a totally lost cause because he has more for, more for me waiting in his presence. You know, our God is a God who can redeem even the things that you think you lost. And he's waiting for you even right now at this moment to come back to him. So I think some of us in this room know so well who God is and what Jesus did for us on the cross. But we've been getting lazy just on our knowledge. And we haven't been pursuing a relationship with the Father. Or some of us, life happened and things got in the way and things got tough. So instead of running towards the Father who can comfort us, we develop an unhealthy dependence on things like work social media, our spouses, maybe even food, so that we can fill that void. And some of us, we're holding on to shame that prevents us from staying connected to Jesus because of all the lies that you believe. Oh, it's too late. You missed your chance. Why would Jesus want you? You're such a sinner. But can I tell you that Jesus, that God has been knocking on the door of your heart for so long to have a relationship with you because he knows you can't do this on your own. This is the command. Remain in me. Remain in me. and Remain in me and you will bear fruit. He's calling us himself. He's calling us to himself today. And so how, are we, how, how will we respond? If you can just all close your eyes. I think sometimes because life gets so busy, we forget to think about or reflect on where we are with God or where we are just spiritually. And I think sometimes we're in denial. We think we're abiding, but in reality we're not because our actions don't show it or our heart or our heart status doesn't show it. So the question is, what are you attaching yourself to today? Are you clinging on to God? Are you clinging on to the true vine? Or are you clinging on to those things that are meaningless, that don't bear fruit? Because whatever you're looking for, it's not in those empty things. It's only in Christ that you'll find the comfort, your identity, the love that you're longing for. And so let's pray and ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to us what, where our heart is and what the Holy Spirit is doing in us and what we need to do next.
so that we can stay and remain in his presence.